Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Benjamin, what's up, my dude? Dish, how are you? Dish, I'm not a bishop. I said dish. Did oh, I say dish? Dish. Yeah. Uh, dish on on what? The spicy stuff happening here in New York? And yeah, what's yeah the spiciness? No, I mean, I'm just wondering how you're doing, dude. Dude, I'm all right. I mean, it's I don't know. It's it's really no better now that it's 2021. But that you know artificial change of date has has got me on the high as opposed to last month. That's good. Yeah, you look uh, you look radiant to a little Ooh, to kind of growing. preview to preview where we're going. <laughs> but before we jump in, let's do a little let's do a little unrelated, uh, kind of a generic softball icebreaker. What's bringing you joy right now, Ben? As as the calendar has turned, as the Democrats have regained control of the Senate, what's uh, what's bringing you joy? Nick, I went out and bought a sixty-five inch. TCL six series TV. I am nerding out about it. I'm geeking out about it. I'm loving every second of it. I had a 55 inch TV, had no reason to upgrade, but this is my COVID purchase. Maybe you've heard of those people buying things they don't need, but this was it for me. And I love it. How about you? You are a, you are a decadent piece of shit. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, dude. Okay. Uh, what's bringing me joy? Um, I got the vaccine. Wait, what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. Friends, we, we talk a little bit before this. We don't really talk about what we're going to talk about, but he definitely would have told me that beforehand. That's why I was so shocked. <laughs> That'd be so funny. I definitely have friends getting the vaccine who are like medical workers, like three times removed. You know, it's like I work for someone who's in medical sales. So I got the vaccine only in Texas, man. That's like awesome. I actually felt bad about my mom because my mom, my mom is a caregiver for my, my grandmother. Uh, so yeah, she deserves I mean, we're it. We're all but caregivers. It, I know. But yeah, okay. <laughs> like she goes to the you know, nursing home at least once a week, et cetera. But I was still kind of like, you know, I love you, mom, but I'm not sure you needed to be first in line for that. Sorry, mother, if you're listening. But that's worse. Way worse. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> I distribute I feel supplies. Like, I think the responsible thing to say, if I may go on a little soapbox here, is to be like, look, two things can be true at the same time. On the one hand, is it unethical for people who are healthy and that have access to the vaccine simply by virtue of their position? Um, is it unethical to get it? Yes. Would I do it? Yes. <laughs> both both things are true. Nick Kibiski is a both and, not an either or kind exactly, of Exactly. I think exactly. just, I mean, jumping on that, I think like a tad more serious. Uh, at least in New York, I don't know about Texas, the distribution has been, at least at first, was so poorly managed and run that it's just like, well, if this stuff is just going to go to waste, then like just inject the person next to you. Uh, Like, let's get this out there. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what I heard, what I heard is that like um, the, the Republic of Texas is like two weeks away from just being like letting all the guardrails off. It's like, if you can get it, get it. 
first. And he like, yeah, just like, yeah, like completely feigning even the attempt to be just. People are getting it like three or four times thinking that'll be like even better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I've had COVID and I've gotten the Moderna and now I'm in the Pfizer camp. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, okay. So what's bringing me joy, man? I feel like I need to, I need to uh, zig where you zag. Um, so not some, you know, consumer culture thing. I have been super in, uh, this is going to sound like such bullshit, but it's true. I've been really into Philip Glass lately. Do you ever listen to Philip Glass, like the minimalist composer? No. Oh, okay. I'm not even sure I know who he is. Say more. Uh, you would know who he is. Like okay. you would know some of that stuff. He has this string, it's called String Quartet Number no. 3. And it's for this Paul Schrader movie um, called um, Mishima, which is about like a Japanese, like kind of an Ernest Hemingway type figure. And it's like 12 minutes. I think there's like five movements or whatever in the quartet. I don't exactly know how you, I'm not a classical music person, but unlike Spotify, there's like, you know, whatever, six tracks. And it's like 20 minutes long, 15 minutes long. It is so beautiful. And when I'm like studying or writing or just trying to get myself in a good headspace, it is, it's truly transcendent. It's really, Mm -hmm. really cool. Maybe that'll top your uh, year end Spotify. Listen, 2021. um, yeah, maybe. I know I listen to a lot of ambient music, like when I'm doing work stuff. And so my Spotify, the, that stuff never works for me. Cause it's like, you listen to nine hours of this random nine inch nails instrumental oh. record. It's like, okay. I mean, I don't even, I know. I'm embarrassed to post that. <laughs> yeah, so definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we are in the second Sunday after the epiphany. This is, as Ben talked about last week, this is the season after the manifestation of Jesus to the Gentiles typified in the three wise men. And so this whole theme of the year of this theme, the theme of the season of the year is like disclosure, God unveiling um, truth and the way that we as the church are called to share the good news of the gospel, spread the light of the world. And I think this colic gets at both of those themes, God's, God's disclosure and the mission of the church. So Ben, I'm excited for you to break this down for us. Um, I'll pray it at the outset. Is that cool? That's cool. All right. Uh, we pray. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, gang. Well, I think if you've been following along with this podcast, or if you are a member of a liturgical church and are praying these collects every week, you'll probably notice, as I did in preparing for this, that this collect for the second Sunday after Epiphany is very similar to the collect for the first Sunday after Christmas, which was just two, three weeks ago. And in that collect, we pray that... uh, Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light enkindled in our hearts may shine forth in our lives. And that sounds a whole lot like Almighty God, who is the light of the world, grant that your people illumined by word and sacraments may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory. So yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. Let's shine forth. So how is this collect any different? Was this just, you know, <laughs> the assemblers were getting lazy and, and didn't have an extra, extra time for one more? I think there are differences. I think they're subtle. I think that in our collect for today, we address God as Savior. So he's the light of the world, but he's our Savior. 
And we pray that this light, this Savior, might be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. So as we kind of mentioned last week with Epiphany, this is the showing forth of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And we talked about the Feast of the Epiphany, where this is shown forth to the Magi or to the nations. So here we have, it's, it's, it's mission-oriented. Grant that our lives may shine with your light so that he might be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. The college a couple of weeks ago didn't really have that kind of mission-centric focus. And then I also want to talk about how when we address God or Jesus as Savior, we're invoking atonement language. And there really wasn't that kind of language in the collect we looked at a couple of weeks ago. So here, Jesus is presented as the light of the world, the Savior, and we want him to be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, just like those magi, just like people like you and me, as opposed to, you know, any kind of in particular group. So I think that's that's a bit of a start. I don't know if you had anything on that, Nick. I can keep going on something else, uh, but I think it's helpful to when these collects are similar to kind of know like why they are special or particular. Uh, yeah, no, I think that is no, that is helpful. Yeah, I have nothing to that. I mean, I think my this is probably where you're going to go, but my my question just on the first read is like I, I can imagine people praying, grant that your people illumined by your word and sacraments that that. To what degree do the does the word of God and the sacraments illumine people? I think that like is a very evocative phrase. Um, and I, I don't know, did you, did you can yeah. you just kind of riff on that for a few minutes? Yeah, I think yeah. So that is a little bit different than the other collect as well. I think it's helpful to note that um, even we in the Episcopal Church believe in the inspiration of scripture. So the Holy Spirit <laughs> inspires scripture. Uh, we might not have, you know, cross every T and dot every I in the same way that, you know, very conservative Presbyterians do. But sometimes I think uh, folks get the idea of like, well, like they just think the Bible is a series of random texts put together and they make of it what they will. No, we believe in the inspiration of scripture. And this illumination language, we also believe that when you come to the scriptures, you are illumined by this same spirit. So if scripture is inspired, we're not inspired in the way that you know, John or Paul is, but we are illumined as we read these texts by that same spirit who inspired them. And here, I think what this, this collect is getting at is we are illumined by this spirit through the word and the sacraments. So the scriptures, the preached word, and the sacraments, baptism, uh, the body and blood of Christ. And I think we were talking a little bit about this a couple weeks ago, but you know, when we don't feel like we're changing or what do we do? And we're like, well, how do I stay connected to God, get involved with Jesus? Well, I think it's actually very basic and easy. And it is through going to church or viewing church via live stream where the word and sacraments take place. Now, of course, you can experience the word at home in your Bible reading. Um, you can experience the word, you know, through prayer. But here in particular, this college is getting at the fact that we are illumined, that this light of Christ illuminates us 
and how via word and sacrament. And it is through those means that we shine, that we are empowered to do mission to you know all peoples. Uh, you got anything else on that? I mean, I'm just wonder to stay in the kind of interrogator mode. Have you ever had the experience of like the light being turned on? I mean, when I when I think of the word illumination, I think of that sense of what was once dark um, and becoming light. Meaning, like it's a dark room and you illuminate it by flipping the flipping on the switch. Um, I don't I don't know exactly if that's in the mind of the assemblers of this collect, but that 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 notion of like you know it's like Plato's cave, you know, right? Like I kind of moved toward the light and I started to see things. Mm. Do you have any experience? Um, not necessarily a as catalytic as like I could not see and now I see, but as things being clarified or sharpened um, by yeah, actually, the word and sacraments. Yeah. So uh, the thing that comes to mind, and there's probably more. I just don't have time. But I remember. So my my uncle. I come from a, a Jewish family. They're all very secular, and uh, I was always very Christiany and religious growing up. And I remember. It, well, it wasn't just this one time. It was often. My uncle would come up to me at family gatherings and wouldn't even say hi. He would just be like, here's why your faith is bunk. I saw this in the history channel. I read this from Bart Ehrman or whomever, and then would just go at, we go at it. And, and uh, it really was, it was oftentimes friendly. It wasn't this conflict, but it would go on for hours. And the rest of the family would be like, why don't you join us? And they would always blame him because I was this kid and Uncle Stevens, like a 45 year old guy who should know better. But there was one time when we were going at it for a while and, and my uncle got visibly angry, like kind of shaking about this, like wanting to prove once and for all that religion is bunk, that Christianity is a waste of time. And I view him as super smart. I view myself as semi-smart. Semi and my mother, who is very empathic, who wouldn't say that she's like this super smart person, she walks in the room at one point, hears us going at it, and she just says out of a clear blue sky, Stephen, don't you see that you want this to be true so much? Mm. And I remember in that moment feeling like it was like a touch by an angel episode <laughs> where like the light shines behind, you know, uh, the Roma Downey. I mean, when, I, when I think of your mother, <laughs> I think of the touch by an angel lady. <laughs> but it really was like, it was one of those moments where I kind of was like, who is this? Or where is this coming from? And Stephen, in a moment of honesty said, Lisa, I do so much, but I just can't. And essentially the conversation ended there. But I remember after that going to bed that night and being like, I don't know how much my you know, arguments with my uncle were really going anywhere. It was always a stalemate. And here comes my mother in with, you know, essentially kind of like a, like a Bible verse or with the word of God. And it just, it felt like this kind of illumined moment. Now, again, I don't know if that's what the uh, college assemblers are, are, are saying here, but I think that it, it, it works. Um, we being illumined by the word and sacraments shining with the radiance of Christ's glory so that he might be known, worshiped and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Here is my uncle, a secular person, wasn't getting anything out of what I was giving him. And here in this moment, she speaks and the radiance of Christ is present. 
And he kind of sees it and acknowledges it and wants it, but is also too scared. I don't know. That's the example. What about you? I feel like no, you that's interesting. have good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, there was an incident that actually just, just, just occurred. Um, I know. Do, do, sorry. Let me, let's pause here for a second. Do you listen, do you listen to our podcast? Like when it comes out later, like when yeah. the oh, yeah. episodes go live? Yeah. I'm vain. Uh, I mean, not surprisingly, <laughs> I do too. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like people might make a legitimate critique. Like eh, these are just dudes who are like too educated, who are kind of approaching faith in like this kind of too intellectual of a way. Um, and I feel like some Guilty. of the ways in which we talk about sacraments are like that. That might be a valid critique, but I want to tell a story that illustrates like that kind of thinking about the Christian faith in this kind of highly sacramental way is not like the preserve of like Christian cultural elites, right? You know what I'm saying? So um, your church, I'm sure is similar. Lots of Episcopal Anglican churches are like this. There is like, if you're in a major city, a, a significant, maybe not a majority, but a significant portion of your church will be from somewhere around the world where the Anglican church or the church of England has a major presence, right? So for us, there's a, a sizable contingent of Nigerians that go to our church. Mm -hmm. And for reasons that are somewhat understandable, they are like not particularly deterred by COVID. And so now that like, 15 people come on a Sunday in the in-person, you know, outdoor services that we have, like the majority of them are African, <laughs> like, you know, cause like all eight of them come every Sunday, you know, they're not at all, they're not too worried about transmission. I'm not, I don't want to make light of whatever, but like, I think for them, you know, the, what they went through that secured their asylum visa to get here. Like, I think COVID is like the ninth biggest thing they've had to deal with in the last five years. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um, Anyway, so my wife and I had him over for dinner on Sunday night, uh, like a five of them. And uh, we were talking about church and our church, our church, our Pacific congregation has suspended the distribution of communion to like restrict traffic and movement in the service uh, to, you know, keep people safe, which is very important. But they were, they were relating to me just how much, how essential that moment is for them and their conception of how God meets with them and inspires them and illumines them on any given Sunday, right? It's like very vital to their own piety. And what, so what they said, and I, I don't, I don't think we could do this. Like, I think we would get, in, I actually am pretty confident that this is like outside the bounds of good order in our church. But um, what they was like, in Nigeria, we just bring whatever food we want like a cookie or a roll or a bun and the priest will just bless it and as soon as the priest blesses it it becomes the body of jesus and if you have milk or soda or whatever you want to bring as soon as the priest blesses it it becomes the blood and it is like i mean you know what the elder guy the oldest guy who's kind of like the spokesperson for this group was like and when you do that it changes you. Like he was like emphatic and he was basically recommending that we do that. And like I said, I don't think we actually can do that, but it was such a vivid reminder of these, of the power of these, of, of the sacraments, you know, but illumined by your word and sacraments. And these, these brothers, man, Moses and Samson and Joseph and Austin and modest, these, those are their names. These dudes, shine with the radiance of Christ's glory. They are such an attestation of like God's joy and kindness and their like open-handedness and generosity of spirit when people feel very pressed and like cramped there. It's, it, it's incredible. So yeah, it was a really, it was a really cool illustration of this idea. Really cool. And I think, yeah, 
being around them, you probably, if you're an outsider, get a sense of knowing, worshiping, potentially obeying Christ. <laughs> so all about mission there. All right, man, pray us out. All right. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. Grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. How about that episode of our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.